I'm your host, Michael Graham. This podcast brought to you by the Weekly Standard Cruise. Cruising the Mediterranean October 9th through the 20th with all of your Weekly Standard favorites, including Stephen Hayes, Bill Crystal, and Fred Barnes. For more information, visit TWSCruise.com. That's the Weekly Standard, TWSCruise.com. Let's get all the latest from Bill Crystal with the Weekly Standard. Bill, thanks so much for your time. Hey, Michael. How are you? Uh, well, I'm okay. Uh, I... I still am that's not. Better as, than, that's better than usual. That's I, good. Well, I'm just still not as comfortable with the uh, President Obama's surveillance state as you are. I, keep I have seeing less. How I they, have less. I have less to hide. You know. I mean, <laughs> if you have a guilty conscience, Michael, what can we do? You know. It's, well, it's uh, interesting you say that because uh, a congressman from Texas has sent a letter to the uh, to the committee investigating the IRS, saying, uh, "Why don't we get the NSA phone records between the White House and the IRS?" during this time that they were looking at the Tea Party, and he actually used the sentence, if President Obama has nothing to hide, then he has nothing to fear. No, that's a, that's a bad idea. We should just leave those records locked up as they are, <laughs> only only accessible, and that's supposed to be the case, <laughs> pursuant to court order. I mean, Congress should uh, look on the NSA. I'm a defender of the program, basically. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure Congress has done what they could have done in oversight, though, and they need to really go look at it and make sure the the uh, you know the the, the the phone records are secure. They can only be accessed in the way that we're being told they can be accessed. On the IRS scandal, though, which we should not lose sight of, whatever people's concerns about the policy question of the right way to set up the NSA type program, the IRS is a genuine scandal. And then we learned yesterday on Capitol Hill that the FBI, which is supposed to be investigating it, has done almost nothing. Isn't that right? The FBI director has been briefed once on this investigation. No one has talked to any of the Tea Party groups that are harassed. Right. Really, this is a clear instance of government harassment, uh, pro- certainly inappropriate, probably illegal, of citizens trying to organize uh, as, as they think best. And the FBI can't be bothered to devote a few resources to uh, a rather expeditious investigation. Well, Bill, let's listen to some of what uh, uh, FBI Director Mueller had to say yesterday when he was asked about this by a congressman. What can you tell us? I mean, you started a month ago. What can you What can you tell us about this? Have you found uh, any any have you found the now infamous two rogue agents? Have you discovered who those people are? Uh, I, I needless to say, because it's under investigation, I can't give out anything. Can you tell me? Can you tell me some bases? Can you tell me how many agents, investigators you've assigned to the case? Uh, may be able to do that, but I'd have to get back to you. Can you tell me who the lead investigator is? Off the top of my head, no. This is the most important issue in front of the country the last six weeks. You don't know who's heading up the case? Yeah, that was my reaction, too, Bill. <laughs> I saw that. Totally. Video. I mean, there's just this attitude of contempt for Congress and for the American public here, uh, really throughout the administration, and unfortunately throughout much of the bureaucracy. I mean, I, I, you know, I respect FBI agents. I think most of them are trying to do the right thing, obviously, for the country. But uh, for Mueller to have that attitude is reminiscent a little bit of the attitude of the IRS officials, not quite as bad before Congress, and that is where I'm totally on the side of side of citizens rising up against Washington and against the establishment. I mean, it really is offensive, and it really needs to be dealt with, and, and the best way to deal with it, I suppose, is to elect a lot of officials who will be much more aggressive in their oversight. I really hope that the House doesn't just sit there and say, oh, that was disappointing. Those are disappointing answers by Mr. Mueller. They do have oversight of the FBI. They do control the FBI's budget, and they should really uh, go after the FBI now for der- dereliction, apparent dereliction of duty. I remember when I was told that there, so there was something wrong with me. I was a knuckle-dragging mouth breather. Well, actually, I've been told that a lot through my life, but in particular when it came to the Obama administration because President Obama is the smartest president ever. He's got this super brain trust of the smartest people ever all around him. 
I, if I'm not mistaken, Bill, I think the uh, fundamental argument of the Obama administration for the past month has been we're the dumbest people on the planet. We have no idea what's going on. We don't know who's doing what. Is is the Farrelly brothers' dumb, dumber, dumbest strategy going to work politically for President Obama? Yeah, I don't think so. But I also I'm happy to beat up President Obama and his team. But I do think it's a broader uh, problem. Mueller was a Bush appointee, of course, the current FBI. Uh, director Lois Lerner worked at the FEC and then the IRS for the last 20 years harassing conservatives. We have a problem with the federal parts of the federal government bureaucracy, large parts of it. Uh, we have a problem with the way it's set up, uh, the lack of accountability, the lack of oversight, apparently, the ability of bureaucrats to use their discretion in ways that are inappropriate. Uh, and we have a problem, obviously, with the political leadership in this administration. But I do think this is where the broader conservative libertarian critique of uh, the big go- big nanny state government really has to kick in. And I hope people running for Congress next to uh, the Senate in 2014 and running in for president in 2016 don't just say, oh, Obama's a bad guy, oh, can you believe Obama said this silly thing, or this Obama appointed to that. They really need to make a much more coherent critique of the status quo and serious proposals to change it, not just, gee, this guy's, you know, lowest learner should be fired, that's fine, but how does that change the IRS with its 100,000 employees heading upwards if Obamacare gets implemented, and they have to hire 15,000 more IRS people to harass us about our health insurance. So I I really think the the stage is well set for a serious, aggressive, bold, conservative-slash-libertarian reform agenda that can go after lots of these um, big government institutions and, of course, go after the big government policies that create these big government institutions. Obamacare repeal comes first. Believe me, it really has to come first. But 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 there's a lot lot to do beyond that. But my concern is that the electorate may accept the, well, how is he supposed to know argument? I mean, you have a strategy of approaching the American people and saying, I just don't know. And as as opposed to lying, which is what got James Clapper into trouble, where he was clearly not telling the truth. If that strategy works, then it pulls the engine of you know of outrage out of the political machine that might actually throw some incumbents out and put some pressure on Congress to use its oversight in the way you've described. Well, look, I think we have to do both. If we can we can chew and, and walk gum at the same time. Uh, chew and walk gum. That's not a very good expression. <laughs> chew, walk and chew gum at the same time. I think. I mean, I there's absolutely legitimate outrage at the Obama administration, and that requires obviously a change of. Uh, of, of, of congressmen and senators, a change of parties really in control of the government, but it has to go beyond, obviously, Obama. To the degree that they have a tough time keeping track of everything that's going on in the federal government, to the degree, as uh, David Axelrod said, you can't expect the president to know about that, that's a problem with the size and scope of the federal government. So I think both critiques could be sustained at once. Reagan showed that pretty easily in the late 70s. You can be very critical of Carter. You can also be very critical of the big government liberal welfare state, and I do think conservatives need to do both. But there is also another political aspect that I will say it's it's starting to resonate here in Boston, Bill. You have the case where the NSA is, you know, able to gather um, uh, all of our phone activity, our credit card activity, internet activity, but we had two local terrorists who had been pointed out by the Russians, and they were operating in a mosque here. Uh, not operating, but you know they were attending a mosque here, a mosque that has you know disturbing ties to the Muslim Brotherhood, a mosque that I've written about quite a bit here, that was passing out literature from Al Qawadawi, one of the prominent clerics who promotes uh, suicide bombing. The city cooperates with the mosque, even donated them land so they could build another facility uh, on taxpayer-funded land, and the uh, and we find out uh, that the uh, the uh, same people who 
can spy on me relatively unhindered, and I say spy, you know, gather information, are specifically prohibited from conducting activities in that mosque where the terrorist was and where the terrorists have been identified. The fear is that as long as they have this power bill, that we know politics is going to intervene, whether it's the political correctness politics of ignore problems with Islam because they make us uncomfortable, or whether it's partisan politics like in the IRS. Well, we need to take on the political correctness. I absolutely agree. We have a, a piece mentioning this, uh, both the problems of, of, of uh, assimilation among uh, Muslims in the U.S., the piece by Peter Scarry in the, in the next issue of the Weekly Standard, the one that's up online today, and, and also a piece by Royal Direct on the NSA program, making the point that you're sort of alluding to, which is we shouldn't put too much faith in this program, assuming, well, that takes care of law enforcement, that takes care of everything else you have to do to go after terrorists. One thing you have to do is go find, go to places where terrorists seem to be more likely to be produced, mm-hmm. see what's going on in those places, like mosques, uh, in certain mosques in the U.S., and also follow up on tips from, from, from the Russians and, and track people in and out of the country and all that. So it's not one or the other. I don't think the NSA program, you know, uh, I don't know how much good it did in the case of the uh, uh, of the people who conduct, who, who uh, pulled off the terror attack sure. in Boston. But... Um, I guess we don't know for sure, but it's certainly no one ever, no one serious thinks that's enough, and you don't have to do old-fashioned policing and have competent exit and entry uh, standards at, at airports and, and that sort of thing. Uh, I would love to gather the leadership of the uh, uh, anti-Bashar Assad forces in Syria who are counting on President Obama from, to come in and help them out in their hour of need and introduce them to all the opponents of Gitmo, all the opponents of the Patriot Act, all the opponents, all the people who've counted on America here. If you're a rebel and you're counting on President Obama to get your back, aren't you in big trouble, Bill Crystal? Well, you would have been for the last two years. When there, and two years ago, there were a lot more rebels who I think were you know, pro-Western and decent people trying to liberate themselves from a dictatorship. They were, Al-Qaeda had come nowhere close to as near as penetrating uh, maybe even dominating now the rebel forces. So we're getting in very late. We're getting in a very half-hearted way. We're not even getting in yet. The president's studying it. And I don't think probably the right way. I mean, so it, I'm not, uh, you know, cheerful about the outcome in Syria. I think it's very important to defeat Assad, to defeat, and more important yet, to defeat Iran and Hezbollah, uh, who have now intervened and for who are now propping up Assad. It would be a strategic victory for Iran if Assad stays. And I think a defeat for Iran if Assad goes, even if uh, the what replaces them isn't terribly uh, um, you know right. friendly or, or wonderful situation, uh, but again the degree to which the president has just dithered and the whole situation has gotten worse. I mean, this is a, g- a good instance where it's not you know eh, everything can get worse on all sides if we're weak. Right. It's not like you know if we're, we're weak, well one side gets better, stronger, one side gets weaker. That anything, anything, any good outcome, the ch- chances of any good outcome diminish because have diminished unfortunately because of our weakness and I really do worry the next three, three and a half more years of uh, three and a half more years of weakness it's really a scary thought and it's particularly disturbing too uh, my wife that doesn't follow political news that much and particularly foreign policy but she looked up at the TV this morning and said God and this is my wife that Obama's such a woman make up your mind either go into Syria or don't and I really think that he's harmed the cause of the West more because he, ha- in other words, if he had just said two years ago, "Look, we're just not going to get involved," period, I think we would be in a better spot. But as opposed to holding out this hope that the U.S. will come in and do what we did say in Bosnia, that's you know changed the calculus on the ground, which has to change again now that we know that you can cross the red line, you can use chemical weapons, and the president's reaction is going to be, "Yeah, eventually we're going to send you a few guns." Yeah, no, sure. I mean, look, if you're not going to do something. You shouldn't make the threats. The worst situation is to make threats and have them turn out to be empty or hollow or followed up on in a half-assed or half-hearted way, maybe I should say, <laughs> uh, two or three months later. So, um, 
No, look, I, I think we're paying a very, we're going to pay, I worry that we're going to pay a very high price for his weakness and his talk that's not backed up by action. Um, all we can do, I suppose, is push to make sure defense doesn't get cut even more than it is being, and that we're not hallowed out even more than than, than might be the case. And frankly, if, Iran, if, if Israel chooses to act against Iran, that we are there to support Israel, because I have no confidence that we're going to do the right thing and stop that regime from getting nuclear weapons. One last question, immigration moving forward this week. Uh, President Obama said that we owe it to the illegal immigrants who are here to give them a pathway to citizenship if we expect them to obey the law. That sounds to me like hostage negotiation, not legislation. But uh, are we going to get something out of the Senate that is that could possibly pass the House? Are we going to see an actual change in the law? I'm worried that we will. I've turned, I must say, quite hostile to this legislation. The more I've learned about it, I wasn't in principle against a pretty generous solution on the immigration issue. Uh, legalization may be better without citizenship, but even some path to citizenship. But the way this is being done, I think, is very bad. I don't think conservatives can be complacent that the House will step up. I think we need to help the House step up by helping, by putting pressure on the Senate Republicans to have a good showing, even if they can't beat the bill in the Senate, which they might be able to, but I'm doubtful about that. I think this is. Um, I would. I would. If I had to give, uh, just advise my fellow conservatives two things to really follow and 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 uh, complain about and and educate themselves about over the next month, two or three. I'd say the IRS and immigration. This, mm. this is bad legislation. I really don't think it should. It should. Uh, it should become law. And we'll have to revisit in a year or two what what could become law. But I think at this point, no legislation is better than this legislation. Bill Crystal, thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it. My pleasure, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast brought to you by the Weekly Standard Cruise. October 9th through 20th, cruise the Mediterranean with your Weekly Standard favorites. For all the details, visit TWSCruise.com. That's TWSCruise.com.